Is this the year that Billy Wagner gets elected to the Hall of Fame, becomes the third Houston Astro? Also, what is going on in the Astros world? Is there some shakeup going on with the player development system? Let's talk about it on this edition of Locked on Astros. to Locked On Astros, your daily Astros podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric the Man Heisman and Brett H-Town Wheelhouse Chansey. We are Locked On Houston Astros and we hope that you join us for a daily Locked On Astros podcast. My name is Eric Heisman. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Talkstros. Find the show at Locked On Astros, your team every day. Brett, where can I find you at? They can find me at HM Wheelhouse on X, Instagram, and TikTok. They can find me at Stroh's 411 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. Always positive, always Stroh's. All right, guys, thank you for making Lockdown Astros podcast your first listen every day. Whether it's on YouTube, go and subscribe to us. Go and make us your first listen on Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Become an everyday or somebody that listens to our podcast every day throughout throughout the whole offseason, regular season, postseason, whatever it is, we are here for you, and we are the Locked on Astros podcast. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about Billy Wagner. It feels like this is, what, year five or something that we've been doing this, um, and every year I've been talking about Billy Wagner. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And if you're a true Astros fan, uh, you remember the days that he actually pitched for the Houston Astros in – um, and some big, uh, big games. You remember the the Brad Lidge, Billy Wagner, and Octavio Dotel uh, threesome we had at the back of the bullpen. And there's just some good memories with Billy Wagner. You had the um, just a lot of great uh, Billy the Kid and everything. So is this the time that he's actually going to get into the Hall of Fame? Uh, Max Scherzer uh, went on, uh, I forgot what the show was, but he came out and foul territory, foul foul territory. And he was talking about, uh, the pitch clock and how the, that, um, two surgeons have come out and said that the pitch clock is leading to not just more injury arm injuries, but more severe arm injuries this year. And we'll talk about how that influenced, uh, Brandon Woodruff. And we'll start about, we'll talk about maybe. Is he a smart pickup for Houston Astros later on? And then we'll talk a little bit more about the Astros uh, minor league system in terms of coaching. What's going on there? There's some more. We already uh, saw that Chris uh, Gross was going to the Mets. Uh, There's some further development there. So uh, we'll talk about all this on this edition of the Locked on Astros podcast. So, Brett. Billy Wagner. We all remember Billy Wagner, that yeah. little um, lefty that can throw 100 miles per hour. And uh, it just looked like it came out of nowhere. And this this guy just uh, came up and you're like, well, he's too short to be able to throw this fast. But he did. You know, and I mean, it all really started. He only got one game in 95, but in 96, he kind of burst on the scene. He had, he had nine saves and 51 innings pitch with 67 strikeouts. But 97, 98, 99 was quite the run for him. 106, 97, and 124 strikeouts. And he amassed 23, 30, and 39 saves in that three-year run. Um, It looks like in, I believe, 2000, 2001, maybe he dealt with – he didn't – in 2000, he didn't pitch as many games – 
but he has thrown over 100 strikeouts in three different um, seasons. He has had save seasons of 44, 40, 38, 39, 35, 39, 30. I mean, this guy, the list just goes on. And I'm even going into his Philadelphia and New York Mets seasons, his last two seasons with the Mets, um, 34, well, in 2007, 2008, 34 saves, uh, 27 saves, and 40 saves of the Mets. So not just as an Astro, but beyond that, I think he's really done enough to put himself solidly in this Hall of Fame talk. And there are a lot of people that say, well, maybe he doesn't have the stats. Maybe he doesn't have enough. But it's so hard and it's so minute to put a closer in because of their limited use. So to me, you've got to reduce the expectation of how much you want this guy out there. And what did he do year in and year out? Was he a consistent pitcher? Did he get out at every stage of his career? And he did. Some guys who, who, who are great save leaders will go to other teams and they won't really thrive. But Billy seemed to, no matter where he was, seemed to just take the moment, um, harness whatever he could on the mound, and continue to be effective even late into his career. And I think that is what says to me that he's a Hall of Famer. And also Uncle um, KRV mentions that he was a top five all-time Astros draft pick. Um, you know, he was one of these guys that the Astros picked, the Astros banked on. And for a long time, we got to see him work his magic and even at Minute Maid Park. It was great. So he went from the Dome to Minute Maid, and he was successful throughout. Yes, yeah, so he was a seven-time All-Star. Um, so you said that not all closers get into the Hall of Fame. So let's compare his stats compared to the, the uh, closers that did get into the Hall of Fame. He has a 2.31 career ERA. That is second among Hall of Fame relievers. He has 11.92 strikeout per nine innings pitch. That's first among all uh, Hall of Fame relievers. He has an 8.59 save percentage, which is third among all Hall of Fame relievers. He's He allowed a 187 batting average, which is first among all wow. Hall of Fame relievers. He allowed 5.99 hits per nine innings pitch, which is first uh, among all Hall of Fame relievers. He had 422 saves, which is fourth among all Hall of Fame relievers. And his 997, his sorry, his point nine nine seven whip is second among Hall all Hall of Fame relievers. The only thing that he doesn't have on his resume is playing for the Yankees, the um, <laughs> uh, the basically the Red Sox um, or the Dodgers, the Dodgers or anything mm -hmm. like that. Or even the Padres because Trevor Hoffman, but Trevor Hoffman was kind of his own little beast. But there. 2010, Eric, he pitched for the Braves, 37 saves, 104 strikeouts, and he was an all-star. 2010, his final year in the pros. He was a 16-year pro. I, I just don't, I don't see how you right. can just leave him out. And 694 of those strikeouts over his 11, 1174 strikeouts came in Houston. So he would be the third Houston Astro to be in the hall of fame. To me, it doesn't make sense why he's not in yet. There's no controversy surrounding him. There's no steroid scandal surrounding him. 
there's no, well, you know, like I said earlier, he faded because he just, no, his last year, he almost had 40 saves in the bank. And so, look, just put him in the Hall of Fame because Mr. Wagner deserves to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and that was his final years with the I, – I forgot – I guess I forgot about the Braves. and he did I completely for forgot about that yeah. Braves year, but it was a great year. It was not a forgettable year. That was a year that you would like to remember if you are a Billy Wagner fan. You probably do remember it. Um, right. It kind of makes but, you wonder, why did he retire? He still was on top of his game. <laughs> he was 38 years old. Yeah, and but I don't 16 remember years in the game. Yeah, well, I know. Now, Will Wagner, I don't know. He was he born by then? Because Will is how old? I don't I don't want to do the math. Um, you, you're the math guy, but you know, maybe maybe he was maybe he had kids and he was wanting to, you know, have the whole family thing. He was an all-star that year, too. He was an all-star that year. Yeah. Dude, well, look, he went out on top. Right. Some guys, Eric, quite frankly, hang on too long. We've seen like that Billy a Chappell. lot. Like like Billy Chapel, yes. But you know what? The perfect game always comes at you, right? Um, like Billy Chapel, good old, good old Detroit Tiger there. Yes. Uh, so um, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, he did get close last year. And uh, if you're looking at p- projections last year, uh, he was pretty close, but uh, he finished at 68.1%. This will kind of get under your skin a little bit. How many votes did he need to actually get elected to the Hall of Fame last year? He needed only 27 more votes to get into the hall of fame last year, you know, what? even get more in your skin, Todd Helton, he missed getting in by 11 votes. He finished with what, uh, it, I forgot. It was 72.2% last year. So he missed by 11 votes last year. So Todd Helton has a good shot at getting in. He should be a kind of a gimme to get in this year. Billy Wagner is getting close to that gimme uh, territory. He is in his, what, ninth year. So uh, he has a total of 10 years on the uh, on the, the clock. So we'll see what happens here. But um, uh, so this is, is for my, the 2024 campaign, right? This is for the next Hall of Fame class that, that they're voting on, yes. correct? Right. Okay. So how special would it be for Billy Wagner to get elected to the Hall of Fame I'm not saying Will Wagner's going to make it to the pros by then. Be kind of cool if they made it the same year, like he made it to the pros. His dad got elected to the Hall of Fame. I'm kind of I'm trying to look for a little father son connection there. Um, I'm excited to see what Will Wagner's going to do this next year. I just I I really think this is his year, Eric Billy Wagner. This is his year. He's earned it. And um, Matt McNeil here says that Mad Dog is always you know one of the guys pushing against him. I have no idea. I mean, if this guy was a New York Yankee mad dog, you know for a fact you'd be pushing for him. You know well, for maybe, a fact he'd be pushing for him. Maybe he bet against him in one game or something and lost <laughs> or something. There's always those issues. But uh, speaking of which, there's um, one player who's uh, first ballot, um, who's on the ballot for the first time. Is he going to get a, be a first ballot Hall of Famer? We'll have to talk about that and who else is likely to get in uh, in a second. Then we'll go ahead and look at the pitch clock. Uh, Max Scherzer, he's likely a Hall of Famer. What do you have to say about what the pitch clock is doing to the arms across baseball? Hey there, thanks for tuning in. And This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Why am I telling you about FanDuel? Well, because you can score early and often with FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. So right now, new customers on FanDuel, they get $150 in bonus bets with any winning money line bet. Now, the Texans have a key 
division opponent this week in Jacksonville coming to town off two big wins. If the Texans win and you bet the money line and your team, the Texans win, you bet $5, you get $150 back. That's right. If you have been thinking about FanDuel, there's no better time to get in the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. The first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. It's called Locked On Sports Today, and it's here for you for 24-7, covering the top sports stories of today with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to be the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. And who knows, maybe uh, you'll see us on there sometime. All right, so I know I kind of teased before the break about uh, a who's going to be potential first ballot Hall of Famer. A lot of time, most of the times, if you get 3,000 hits, you're going to make it to the Hall of Fame. I know that's what Jose Altuve is trying to do. He's trying to get to enough play long enough to get to 3,000 hits. We saw that with Craig Biggio. Uh, I know Bagwell didn't get to 3,000 hits, but he did a lot of other stuff that kind of got him to where he is. But uh, Adrian Beltre, uh, he was he got 3,000 hits. And beyond that, he was just a – I know he never played for the Astros, and he always seemed to play on teams that the Astros played against, whether it be the Dodgers or later on in the, the Rangers and stuff like that. So, But he was always one of those characters that you can root yes. for because he had a great oh, yeah. personality. He's very likable. Yeah. He's very likable and you, you just, he was like the ambassador of the game. He, and no matter, he's kind of like Sean Casey, like the mayor, he, he would just talk to anybody and he'd become friends with anybody. So I just think that a lot of people are probably have a lot of great memories about what Adrian Beltre did in his uh, baseball career. And so I would say, I don't know if it's going to be unanimous, but I would say that he should be the only first ballot hall of famer in this new class. Yeah, no. And um, so I guess I don't know who all who all the first ballot guys are in in this year, but um, I, I do I do like Beltre. I like Andy Pettit. I know a lot of people don't like him for the Hall of Fame. I think Chase Utley eventually gets in. I think David Wright eventually gets in, um, you know, Andrew Jones, possibly look um Someone said if David Ortiz gets in, then Manny Ramirez should be in because they both use steroids. Um, Gary Sheffield should get in. I think Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds should be in there because they did things long before they even touched roids right. and long before they put the shot in the rear end or whatever they did or rubbed cream on their muscles or whatever they claim they did. Um, but it's, it, it's such a hard thing to do. Like I would like to pick as many guys as I would like, but it's again, it's not the hall of very good players. It's a hall of fame. And I think in recent years, I have disagreed with a couple of the guys that have gotten in, but at the same time, I mean, they have long careers. It's hard not to respect those guys when they do get the nod because it's a special moment. You don't want to ruin it for anybody. So I don't think that many get in, but I'm I'm definitely going Wagner. I'm de- to me, I'm a I'm a I'm a Pettit guy for the Hall of Fame, one of the most dominating postseason pitchers of all time, and then also Adrian Beltre. I, I just don't know how you can argue against him just because he was good for the game. 
He got the 3,000 hits. And wherever he went, he was he was successful. And um, if the whole press and media thing holds true with Barry Bonds being so hated, if Adrian Beltre is the exact opposite of that, then that should be the, one of the things that helps him get in. If that's the argument against Bonds, well, people didn't like him. So. Right. All right. Uh, to answer your question is put your fist up. It's Jose Bautista. Uh, he's first timer. Bartolo Colon is the first timer. Adrian Gonzalez, Matt Holiday, Victor Gonzalez, uh, Martinez, Joe Maurer, Brandon Phillips, Jose Reyes, James Shields, Chase Utley, and you mentioned David Wright already. So those are the first time. Um, okay, so players. okay, so I didn't know that. So when I put guys that I would vote for, I didn't know who were first ballot Hall of Famers, and those were some of the ones I would. I would give my vote to. I just, right. I guess I'm more prone to pick more guys because I see so many guys turn in ballots that have nobody on them. And I'm like, mm -hmm. there's no way you can't. I mean, unless they're all horrible picks like Billy Wagner, how is he not? Anyways. So um, yeah, I just, I would love to have that hall of fame vote one day that that's definitely a dream of mine. <laughs> Andrew Jones did get 58% of the vote last year. And if you're mm -hmm. looking Gary Sheffield, uh, he's in his final year. He did get 55% of the vote, but I don't think that he's going to get enough vote to jump 20%. Um, it's a lot, especially with the top heavy. A lot of people are going to be voting for David Wright. A lot of people are going to be voting for Adrian Beltre. You're going to have a lot of people going for a lot of big names up front. And I think you're going to see maybe a big surge. I don't know for sure, but I think, um, Maybe now people have sent a message to Alex Rodriguez. Now I think some people maybe will start uh, voting for him. But at the yeah. same time, that's like voting for steroids. He, or he might he PDs. might get yeah, he might get he might get like like the legacy vote, you know, um, when he gets old enough to where like the players vote him in. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. But you know, speaking of Hall of Famers or future Hall of Famers. Um, we do need to talk about this, uh, you know, Max Scherzer um, talking about the pitch clock. And there's a lot of people that talked about, well, look at all these injuries. Is it because of the pitch clock? And then if you look at actual injuries throughout the season, it seemed like there were still more injuries the previous year. But from what these doctors have told Scherzer is they've been more severe injuries. And because of the pitch clock, because you don't necessarily get the rest that you need, there's such a focus on time and getting something done quickly versus doing it methodically, taking your time, letting your body and your mind reset and be in sync. And I, I think there's a lot to be said with this connection. So what was it that Max Scherzer said about the pitch clock and how it has hurt the arms, according to doctors? Well, um, apparently uh, this is not uh, this is not something that he's come up with. Um, he's been a big um, proponent for not having pitch clock because it does affect the game. And he said that uh, before we get into that, he said uh, he was asked, well, how would you uh, uh, fix the pitch clock? He said more time between batters with runners on base and at least one free violation per team. And so basically he feels like the pitch clock should not be affecting mm -hmm the strikes, the balls and strikes. And he's uh, uh, just whether the, the pitch clock should not be affecting that. And that's actually affecting the outcome of the games. And he said, that's not right. But what else is not right is that they're speeding up these pitchers. Uh, and somebody like Brandon Woodruff, who we're going to talk about in a second, 
Uh, he mentioned this uh, specifically, well, not necessarily him, but he said that Max Scherzer says that top surgeons Keith Meister and Neil L. Trache have both said that pitchers' arm injuries have been more severe since the pitch clock changes. So if you watch that video, Scherzer actually outlines it. He says that you have these pitchers like um, uh, that Woodruff that had a, a career tempo of 24 to 25 seconds between pitches. All of a sudden, you're asking him to do it in 19 seconds or less. And so you're asking him to change his delivery. And that's not in routine with what a pitcher does. And it throws them out of whack. It throws them out of sync. And it will lead to these big arm injuries. And so uh, it's actually, um, if you're looking at it, um, there's a more of a correlation between the increased pace and decreased amount of time for a pitcher to recover after a pitch and injuries to those pitchers. And he says, it's not fair to have these pitchers going down just to um, address a narrative. A narrative if is we need to speed up the game. Yeah, and we're speeding up the game because we're trying to bring more fans to the ballpark, okay? I didn't meet a single person who came to the ballpark. Can you take him? Yeah. Hold on. Um, who, no, 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 sorry. Um, I was asking my son to take the dog out of the room. <laughs> I didn't find a single person who came to the ballpark and said, you know what? I haven't been to a game in 20 years, but I heard they shortened the game. So now I'm stepping foot at Minute Maid Park because I can now enjoy the game of baseball because it's no longer four hours of drudgery. It is two hours and I can get to my happy hour before it closes. Never heard a single person. I don't know how many new, like I didn't meet any new fans. I saw all the same people that I met along the way that are in Astros Twitter, that are part of the Locked on Astros Nation. When I meet you guys in public, y'all been going to games since the freaking Astrodome. This whole myth that we're growing the game. No, no, we're, no, no. Y'all aren't even marketing the game. You black out. There's nine teams blacked out in Iowa. You're not growing the game, Manfred. You, you are you are creating rules that you think that you want because you don't want to stay up and watch baseball. Just because you're old. Look, dude, take your Balto meal, go to bed at nine, let everybody else have fun, okay? I, I'm, I'm just tired of these, like, old dudes ruining the freaking game. You know, what's next? Are they, are they going to penalize, like, bat flips? I mean, is this going to become the NFL, like, excessive celebration, minus one run? I just, they're changing the game for results that don't show up. Um, and did they see that this World Series was the least watched World Series of pretty much all time or in recent years? I mean, so just because the games are shorter, people didn't come in droves to watch it. Now, obviously, we know the team thing. We know fan bases outside of Arizona and Arlington really didn't care about this World Series, and that's no knock against those teams. It just nobody really cared. But it didn't grow the game. Right. Like, by their premise, the World Series should have been the most watched. Why? Because it would have been the shortest World Series in history. The shortest. And I didn't see that happen. 
I want to give a quick shout out to my daughter, Lily, and her friends, Nick and Chloe, for watching. Uh, she keeps on texting me. But guys, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus national shows covering every week. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right. So uh, speaking of shout outs, um, I think I was reading an article and uh, they gave uh, Brandon Woodruff an actual shout out and saying that part of his injury, his shoulder injury, was the fact was he had to address to the pitching clock, the pitch clock, and he had to shave six seconds off his delivery. And mm -hmm. so now there's question marks about, will he ever be the same? Not only is he going to be the same after the injury with his shoulder, but also um, can he adjust to, uh, to the new pitch clock and everything? So uh, the question is, I know that John Morosi today said that there are multiple teams out there willing to give him a multi-year deal because this guy is not going to be ready. He just had surgery in October on his shoulder. He's probably not going to be ready till mid-year of 2024. So you're only going to get him for the second part of 2024, then uh, however long you can get him. Is it worth it to go out there and get somebody like Brandon Woodruff? No. He's affected by the pitch clock, and they're about to shorten the pitch clock even more. No. what is he going to have another surgery because he adjusts to the 20 seconds? Now it's 18. Like, like so he's adjusting. Every, is, is he going to be adjusted to 18 seconds versus – that's almost 10 seconds difference. Um, And, dude – I would never wish injuries on anybody's star pitcher, but is it going to take more injuries to star pitchers for them to wake the hell up and get their heads out of their rear ends when it comes to this pitch clock change? I am mm -hmm. absolutely not buying Woodruff, not as an Astro. I've got two pitchers that aren't coming back till midseason. Why would I want three pitchers back to midseason? And fourth, Asham Wilhouse is talking about possibly trading Framber Valdez. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to the Astros pitching staff. Things aren't as sure and as short up as some people make it out to be. Um, so for me, the Astros would drift. No, um, somewhere else. Sure. I mean, the chances of getting, getting lightning in a bottle and getting them two and a half years for good. Now, if I could see the future and see that he was going to perform and outperform what he's already done, then I'd say, absolutely go get him on a discount. But I don't need three pitchers coming in. If 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 Garcia and McCullers were healthy in spring training, and I knew that I would have a solid four going into the midway part of the season, I would take a flyer on doing a Brandon Woodruff maybe this year, half year, next year, and a third-year team option. But I'm not taking a chance. If he can't handle 20 seconds, how in the heck is he going to handle 18 seconds? I'm just – you know what I'm saying? If it's, if it's broke, it's broke. I mean – I hope to God that Brandon Woodruff is able to recover because he's a great pitcher. And it would hate to see a talent like him wasted on this stupid pitch clock and this like communistic reign that, that Manfred has on Major League Baseball because I absolutely hate it. 
Well, I think what they're going to do is they're going to look uh, down. Uh, they're going to look back and see all the injuries and they'll probably have to make some adjustments. Uh, I'm sure the players um, association will get with the owners and they'll kind of say, okay, look, we need some more. If the pitch clock, if we know it's not going anywhere away, but we need some more time. We need some time because uh, we see X amount of injuries. Yes, these injuries were still happening before, but we we have this data now that says that um, it's not that the injuries are just happening, but they're becoming more severe where players are out a little bit longer. So if you want to safeguard your assets, which is to play the pitcher's arms, you need to go ahead and just kind of give us more time on the pitch clock. An extra three or four seconds I don't think is the end of the world in terms of uh, a pitch clock. It'll maybe add an extra, what, five minutes or something to a game. And like you said, nobody's going to the game. I know uh, at times we both were like, oh, I'm glad for a short and shorter game so we don't have to stay up so late at yeah, night. Yeah, no. Yeah. As but, posting in podcasters, it, it works out. But, you know, Eric, and that's and that's the thing. I, I, I think you and I see eye to eye, and I think a lot of our listeners probably – see this see this same thing it's just this conundrum of like what the heck are we doing but hey um the minor league baseball shakeup eric we, we have we have a new we have a new person that is um in charge um with 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 the houston astros um doing their uh, player development stuff and we recently received word that rafael pena former guest on the show um has 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 actually taken um, a has actually taken a um, another position, another position with the Philadelphia Phillies, and Rafael Pena losing him is actually kind of a kind of a big deal because he he was one of he was one of our guys that worked with the um, Dominican Summer League. Um, he was the Astros minor league hitting coordinator, and he's joined the Phillies as assistant hitting coach. And I I had I had reached out to um, Elvis Rodriguez, who who we had had on. And, um, you know, he just said they're making some changes with the with the new guys who are in charge of, you know, player development. There are moving pieces and they don't necessarily know where all those pieces will be moving. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would expect, especially since we don't even know who the Astros bench coach is yet, we don't even know who's on the Astros coaching staff yet. There's probably going to be a lot more movement within Astros system yet. I think that what we're seeing is uh, Dana Brown trying to put more of a imprint of him into the Astros system and uh, the new guy that they uh, that they have also. So they're, they're going to be kind of just reshaping what they do with the Houston Astros and uh, trying to improve it and trying to make it more Dana Brown-like. So that's probably what they're looking at. They're there's there. I don't know if they didn't let want these guys back or if they've uh, the other guys just sought out other opportunities. Uh, I don't know if we're going to actually know that, but uh, good luck to um, to them for uh, in their career. But I know the Astros farm system has uh, brought out the best and some of the players that nobody thought they would be good at. And so uh, we'll see what happens. So this is just Thanksgiving week and we, we still don't even know what's going on with our coaching staff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and this is basically, he is the new farm director. Gavin Dickey is his name. Chandler Rome recently wrote an article. And basically what they're doing is they are seeing that maybe there are, there are parts of this ball club that are at, that are driven by analytics, but they're trying to streamline so they can get the information to the players 
in a more efficient manner and hopefully that affects the players in a positive way this has been a great show eric um it's time for billy wagner to go to the hall of fame i know all the baseball hall of fame writers are watching this show saying hmm should i pick billy wagner and exactly. eric and brett made the case right i'm a yeah. wellhouse he is eric the man heisman find him at eric talk strohs find her show at locked on astros wherever you get your podcast it's free and easy to listen to subscribe to our youtube channel help us get to twenty thousand subscribers and coming up this week i've got another jordan funko pop to give away so as always go stroves and we'll see you tomorrow yeah you had to do that yeah <laughs>